announcement. Uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church will be having a singing next Sunday at uh, 1.30. Pam Weston is going to be doing a concert there. So they put a just a notification on our door. So that's next Sunday at uh, 1.30. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and so far in our study of 1 Peter, we have noticed and we've talked about the fact that as pilgrims in this world, we are aliens, we're foreigners, we're exiles, we're living, we're on the outside looking in to this kingdom, we're living for a godly kingdom, we're trying to live godly in an ungodly world, but... In order to do that, God has given us many blessings. And we see in 1 Peter 1 and verse uh, 3 that we have been, that, that God has begotten us again. That simply means we've been born again. We've been made alive again. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, and God has made us alive. We've been made alive. We've been given a living hope in verse 3. We also come over to chapter 2, and we see that we are living stones. We have a living hope. We are living stones. We are living stones plugged into that chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. We are part of a temple. We are a living <laughs> temple, a living church that Jesus Christ is building and, and making alive. We have so many blessings, but you know that with blessing comes responsibility. God doesn't just give us our blessings for us to bask and say, uh, I've got it going on, or we have it going on, look at us. God gives us some responsibilities with our blessings. And when Peter wrote this, remember, Peter didn't just stop and say, well, I'm going to write part of the Bible, and my task is to, Write first and second Peter. When Peter wrote this, Peter was very simply writing a letter to his friends who were separated, who were scattered throughout what we see as modern day Turkey. And he was reminding them who they are. They are born again. They are stones. They are being built up into a church. They're alive. They're vibrantly alive. Surrounded by those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. And that's the first part of chapter 1. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 11, we find the application of that. The so what? We are alive. We're born again. We're living stones. We're part of the church. We're part of that living kingdom. We're, we're vibrantly alive. So what? What do we do with that? What does that mean? And we said in verses 11 and 12 that the one word that could sum up these two verses is the word self-control. Uh, verse 11, self-control over our flesh, self-control over our desires. And then also verse 12, self-control when we deal with others, like the Gentiles. And, and when he uses the term Gentiles, Peter means the lost. So Peter says we need to learn to have self-control over our lifestyle so that we can give a proper witness to those that are lost around us. And that's where we stopped last time. And that serves as an introduction 
to the rest of this chapter, all the way down to chapter 3. And there are four different groups of people. Paul, uh, Peter gets very specific. He talks about our responsibilities and what it looks like uh, and what a Christian's responsibilities are to their government. And then next week we will look at the Christian's responsibility in the workplace. And then the Christian's responsibility in the home. And finally, the Christian's responsibility in the world. But today, and I, I, I tried to come up with a clever uh, sermon topic, something that, or title, something that you would remember. And the best I could come up with is the Christ follower and the government. Uh, and that's kind of what these verses are about. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Well, if our true citizenship is in heaven, and it is, do we have, as Christians, responsibilities to the earthly government? And can I tell you that, yes, we do. We do have responsibilities. And and that's the first point of this lesson, the Christian's responsibility or the Christ follower's responsibility to the government. And that responsibility can be summed up in one word, and that word is submit. The word submit means to, it's a military term, it means to put yourself under the authority of. Uh, it means to lower yourself and accept someone else's authority. It means to uh, put yourself under someone. A while back at our high school, we had a band reunion for those who were part of our marching band. I was part of the first marching band at Good Pastor School. And, and so we had a 40-year reunion for all those that, uh, that marched. And... Uh, the different band directors were there, and as you can imagine, 40 years of students, the band room was full. There was just a whole, and it was loud, it was, uh, it, it was just, it, it just raucous. My daughter went with us. She, at the time, she was in Hickman County's band. And uh, all of a sudden, one of our old field commander called us to attention. And when she said, attend, hey, you could have heard a pin drop. Everybody stopped, we... My daughter said, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And even 40 years later, we were under the authority of that field commander, right? We understood what that meant. Where we're, we are told here, Peter borrows that same idea, and we're going to see this word submit over and over and over again. When we get to our responsibility in the workplace, it's going to be submit. When we get in the home, it's going to be submit. When we get to the world, it's going to be submit. As Christians... We need to realize that it's not all about us. There's someone over us. And in this instance that Peter's talking about first, it's the government. 
And can I say that this is not always an easy command to follow? Uh, it's easy to understand. There's nothing difficult to understand, but it's difficult to execute sometimes because sometimes the government passes, they, they do things that are, we don't like. Sometimes they do things that are, uh, we think, not healthy. Or, we just disagree with what they say, so the idea of submitting is difficult. But the command here is clear. He says to submit yourselves to every ordinance. That word ordinance it doesn't as much mean every individual law as it means every individual branch of government. Because uh, he goes on to explain uh, to the king or to governors in verse 14. Uh, we are to be submissive to all of, our all, of our, all of our government, whether it's the president, whether it's the governor, whether it's the mayor, whether it's a policeman, a fireman, those that have authority over us, we are to be subject to them. And notice what it says. Peter says in verse 13, we're to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Now what in the world does that mean? And we'll talk about that more just here in just a little bit. But we need to understand that we are on the outside. We are, while we are citizens of America, and can I say before I start this lesson that I'm proud to be an American? I think we're the greatest country in the world. I'm proud of the freedoms that we have, and in spite of our warts, and our country's got a lot of warts, I'm happy to be an American. I'm kind of like Paul. I'm going to play, Paul played his Roman citizenship every time he could, if, especially if it could give him a opportunity to preach the gospel. We need to do the same thing, remembering that while we are American citizens, we also are citizens of a higher kingdom. We are the Lord's representatives in America. We are representing the Lord. I remember when I was pastor at Eagle Creek, we took a group of young folks to YEC, and we had we got T-shirts for all of them. And I told them before we left, I said, now if you're going to put that T-shirt on, and it says Eagle Creek Baptist Church. I said, y'all don't do nothing crazy when we get there. Don't, don't be stupid because you are representing Eagle Creek Baptist Church. You're our representative, and bless their hearts, they, they, they did well. But we are Christ's representatives in this world. The world is dying in dark. We're to be the representatives of Jesus. We are to submit ourselves to the institution of the government. We're to be subject to the government. And can I say it's not only if because we're a democracy. If we were a dictatorship, or if we were a monarchy, or if we were a totalitarian regime, that word's hard to say. Y'all know what I mean. Even if we had an evil, ungodly dictator as our leader, we are still commanded to be subject to the gospel. And I'll, I'll talk more about that here in just a little bit. Because somebody says, well, when Peter wrote this, so-and-so wasn't president. When Peter wrote this, so-and-so party wasn't in control. Can I remind you that when Peter wrote this, Rome was in charge? 
and Nero was the emperor. We'll talk more about that here in just a little bit. But we are subject and called to be subject to the gospel. The responsibility of the pilgrim is still the same. Submit. Put yourself under the authority of the, gospel, of the government. And Peter is not the only apostle to talk about this. Keep your spot here in 1 Peter and look over to the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. Beginning at verse 1, Romans 13, 1, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. The government is here to be representatives of God. That we are, we are witnesses of God. We are the light. We are those that are citizens of the kingdom. The government is sent by the authority of God. And we need to understand, notice what he says in verse 2 of Romans 13. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And we need to understand that to resist our government is to resist God. Paul makes that very plain in, in this verse. And when we go back to 1 Peter 4, or 1 Peter 2 rather, we need to understand that we're, well, what does it mean to be subject to the government? Let me give you some examples. Pay our taxes. Remember when Peter asked Jesus, should we pay our taxes? Peter kind of had that question. Since we're citizens in your kingdom, do we need to pay our taxes? And, Peter, and Jesus says, give to Caesar those things that belong to Caesar. We pay our taxes. Uh, another thing that way that we are subject to the government, when there's that big red sign that says stop, we stop. When there's a speed limit sign that says 45, we go 45. Did you know that when we stop at a stop sign, when we pay our taxes, when we obey the speed limit, did you know that we are honoring God when we do that? Because as the government... They are God's representative of authority here on earth. Now once again, that's not hard to understand. It's kind of hard to execute. Especially after you've been driving 70 on the interstate and you get off right here at 96, 40 is slow. But if you're not careful, you'll be going 60 until you see that blue light because the policeman likes to sit right here. Right? That's, they, they enjoy that. But y'all, we are called to obey the government. We are called to submit to the government. And God doesn't say submit to those rules you like. Reject those rules you don't like. Peter and Paul both say submit to the government. And then we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, and we see the purpose of government. That's point number two, the purpose of government. The government are those who were sent by him, that's God, 
for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. The government has two purposes. Number one, punishment of evildoers. Number two, to praise those who are doing good. Two Ps there, punishment and praise. That's the purpose of government. Now, can I say that our government doesn't always succeed in those purposes? Would you agree with me with that? Our government isn't perfect. And our government makes decisions that are sometimes at the very best poor decisions and at the very worst downright crazy and dangerous decisions. But we are called to submit to our government. We'll have a little more to say. You say, well, what do we do when the government makes, how do we act submissive when the government is unjust? How do we act submissive when the government is unfair? Can I say that we are called to stand up for justice? And can I say that we are called to say certain things are not right? We are called, guess what's fixing to happen in November? It's called an election. And we can vote for folks that we think are going to be godly. Somebody says, well, elections are rigged. You know, I don't know if they are or not. But it's the best system we've got. It beats a lot of the systems everywhere else in the world, amen, where they bring a gun and say, by the way, I'm president now because I'm stronger than you are. If I'm not president, you don't recognize that. I will shoot you. So we're to be submissive. Even when our government doesn't totally fulfill its purposes, the only reason we have laws, laws are written for the lawbreakers, right? As Christian people, you know, as Christian people, we shouldn't need a law. God's our law. God's word is our law. And we shouldn't need that. But why is thou shalt not steal there? It's because when the thief steals, he can be punished, right? Why is thou shalt not kill in our laws? Well, because when someone kills, they can be punished. The, the, the law set up for law for lawbreakers. Paul says in Romans, the reason God gave us the old law was to show us what makes us sinners, what makes us wrong, what, what separates us from God. So even though the government sometimes doesn't fulfill its purposes, it is still God's ordinance. They are still God's authority, they are still God's representative on earth as his authority to punish evildoers and to praise those who are doing good. Well, why should we submit? Point three, verse 15. He gives us two reasons. Number one, for this is the will of God. You want to know what God's will is? Submit to the government. That's God's will. I'm going to paraphrase that for you. The first reason why we submit to the government is because God told us to. Amen? God said so. It's right here. And, and you know, I, you might not like everything I'm saying today. I'll be honest with you, I don't necessarily like everything I'm saying today. But we can take it up with the Lord because he's the one that wrote it. Amen? So once again, it's not hard to understand, but it's often hard to execute. Because God said so. And then number two in verse 15. So that we can put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
in when this was written, and when we read scripture, we need to first look at who it's written to and try to see and hear through their eyes because they are the original audience. Now, we benefit from it, but Peter's listeners were the original uh, audience. So when it says here that they, uh, that, that they will uh, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, in their day, Christians, first of all, were accused of being insurrectionists. Uh, they, they called Jesus their king. They said they lived in a different kingdom, so the world thought that Christians were a bunch of political zealots. They also thought that Christians were seers. And by seers, I don't mean the store seers. I mean S-E-E-R-S. Seers or mediums. We serve a resurrected Lord. And we speak to a resurrected uh, Savior. We speak to the dead. And so that was a common misconception about Christians. First century Rome, first century Greece, they thought that Christians were cannibals. They were accused of being cannibals because Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. So the world thought that these Christian folks were having their secret meetings, eating people and drinking blood, talking to the dead, having seances, while they were plotting the overthrow of the government. And so when you put it in that context, what Peter is telling them to do is submit to the government. Show them that what they believe about you is not true. You be so good, you be such a good citizen, that they will investigate a little bit further what you believe and put to rest their false ideas. The way you put away falsehoods is to learn the truth, right? So today people have some misconceptions about Christians. We are taught that, or a lot of the world thinks that Christians are a bunch of goody-two-shoes. They want to tell the whole world how they ought to be parents and how, the, how they ought to live and how they ought to, how to carry on their lives and how the world ought to be. Uh, and then... That's just one misconception. Well, how do we overcome that? By submitting to government and, and being good citizens. While we're talking about government, I'm going to lump citizenship into this. We used to take a class called Civics and Citizenship. I don't think they teach that in school anymore. They should, uh, but, uh, but they don't. But part of being a good citizen, we cut our grass pick up our trash. We take our buggy back to the store when we get done with it or don't leave it right there in the middle of a parking lot. Can I encourage you to do your best to make the world, to leave the world a better place than you found it? The other day when I went to Food Saver, there was a buggy out in the in the, in the parking lot, so I pushed it in and the and the girl said, thank you for pushing it in. I said, well, I needed one anyway. I'll just use this one. And so I used it, and when I 
got done, I went back out, and there was another buggy, so I pushed it in, too, and the girl goes, you're not going to shop again, are you? I said, no, I just brought it back, and she said, well, why did you do that? I said, because it needed doing. It doesn't belong in the parking lot. It needs to be in here, and she said, man, I wish everybody did. That's just being a good citizen, right? You see a piece of trash, don't walk by. Think, well, somebody will get this. This is not my job. Pick it up. We can say that about the church house. If you see something that's not where it's supposed to be, put it where it belongs. Uh, how did you as parents feel? Or maybe as a spouse, and your husband might do this too. You wives would never do this, but sometimes we men do. Empty out a box of something and leave the empty box sitting there. Your kids ever done that? Or your husband? And it just aggravated? If you empty out a box, throw it away. It's not hard, right? If you've got dirty clothes, go put your dirty clothes in the dirty clothes hamper. If you're in Walmart and you see an older person struggling with what they're trying to do, help them. True story. The other night I needed something at Dollar General and it was right about closing time. And when I got there, a lady in front of me had like two baskets full of stuff and I needed one thing. And she said, well, you here, you go ahead. I said, okay. And then I realized I left my wallet in my vehicle. So I said, you go ahead. Let me go get my wallet out of the car. So it took her forever to check out because she used her EBT card and then she had gift cards and then she had cash and then I, and, and she said I tried to let you go I said I know you did I said it was my fault for forgetting my wallet that's fine so anyway she went on to the car and I paid for my little thing and I, I got out the door and bless her heart she's trying to get the buggy to her car these two buggies and the Dollar General didn't have, a, it, where the ramp was blocked, so she was trying to take it off the sidewalk, and both buggies had turned sideways and emptied out. Oh. And she was just so frustrated. And I went over, I said, let me help you. And she said, uh, why would you do that? I've already made you be so long. I said, I said, look, do you need help? She said, yeah. I said, well, I'm able to help you, let me, let me help you. And I'm not doing that to toot my horn. I'm just saying as Christians, isn't that what we ought to do? Amen. We ought to submit to our government. We ought to be good citizens. We ought to leave this place a better place than we found it. Uh, we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. We've got about 18 people here this morning. What if all 18 of us Made it our goal to make the world a better place. Think we make a difference? I believe I believe it'd be a good start. Amen. And oh, can I tell you, just because you make the world a better place today, you can't take tomorrow off. We we keep on doing it. We submit to government because we want the world to think that Christians, Christ, they're the ones that help people. Christians, they're the ones that feed the sick. Christians, they're the ones that give coats to those that are cold. Those Christians, they're the ones that give backpacks to the needy kids. 
shoeboxes to kids at Christmas time. They give to the rescue. Those Christians aren't bad people. And we're not doing that so that we can look good. We're doing that so our God can look good. So that someone can come and say, why did you do this? And we can say, it's not me, it's Jesus. Jesus is living in me and I, I want him to live in you. Can I talk to you about that for a minute? Can I tell you that, and I should have done it with this lady, but I didn't. I, when she said, why are you helping me? That's what I should have said. It's not me, it's Jesus. Can I tell you about him? Because she might have been interested in listening at that point. Because I was helping her. One thing I can assure you of, she would be much more likely for me to listen to her or for her to listen to me if I was helping her than if I'd have said, why is your hair purple? Why do you have all those tattoos and that nose ring in the middle of your ear? Oh, can I tell you about Jesus? See what I mean? The world has a perception of us as Christians. And as Christians, we are to use our lives, our witness, to overcome those objections, put those things to rest, so that kingdom work can go on. That's why we are subject to the higher power. Governing authorities that exist, they've been, they've been put into existence by God. Whether they are good or whether they are bad, sometimes God uses evil kingdoms to punish his people. He did it with Babylon. He did it with Assyria. Uh, he did it with other countries. When you read the Old Testament, God would take godless nations to punish his people. Sometimes God does that. Have you ever supposed, sometimes does God... Can I say this? That whoever is elected president of the United States, God knows full well who the president is. Nobody's elected president that it's not God's will. Are you with me? God is sovereign. And it just may be God allows certain people to get elected because America may be punishing or judging. God set up Babylon, God set up Assyria, God set up Egypt to be his representatives in dealing with his people. And God may well do that with us today. And can I say, lastly, point number four, there is an exception to this rule. And some of y'all have been waiting with, waiting with bated breath for me to get to the exception, Right? There is an exception to this rule. But can I tell you that the exception is more narrow than we might think? God does not allow us to not subject ourselves to the government just because the government's oppressive. You say, well, how do I know that? Nero was the emperor when Peter wrote this. Y'all heard of Nero? He's crazy. And the longer he ruled, the crazier he got. And at this point, when Peter wrote 1 Peter, persecution from Nero hasn't gotten too bad yet. It was more of a persecution similar to what we see in America. 
It may be words. It may be laws. It may be some things that are oppressive. But y'all, it's not going to be long before Nero's going to give full-fledged persecution. Peter's going to be crucified. Paul's going to be or, uh, beheaded from Nero's persecution. Nero is going to feed Christians to the lions. Nero is going to have Christians skinned and their, lamp, and their skins will be used as lampshades. Nero is going to cut the bellies of Christians open, fill it with corn, and feed the Christians to the pigs. Nero is going to persecute Christians, and Peter says, submit to the government. That's difficult. So we don't get to not submit because the government gets oppressive. The only time we are, as a matter of fact, you say, well, what should I do when the government's oppressive? We don't have time to read it, but let me give you a scripture. 1 Timothy 2, 1, 1 and 2, tell us we ought to pray for our leaders. It's hard to criticize somebody you're praying for, amen? I need to pray for President Biden. I need to pray for our Congress. I need to pray for our mayor. I need to pray for my government. Because maybe, just maybe, if we pray for our leaders, God will give them wisdom. Or God will bring leaders who are godly and let them take the throne. Just because the government passes laws we don't agree with doesn't give us the right to rebel against the government. The only time that we have the right to disobey government is when the government tells us we have to disobey God. <coughs> when God told the Christians, or when Rome told the Christians, you have to bow down and call Caesar Lord, that's when they said no. Jesus is our Lord. And they got him killed. When Pharaoh told the midwives to kill the Hebrew babies. Exodus tells us that those midwives feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. They didn't, know, they didn't listen to him. When the apostles in Acts chapter 4 and 5 are arrested, they're told to quit preaching Jesus. And Peter, the very same Peter that wrote, Submit to the Government, Peter said, when they said, Peter, you need to, Peter was a spokesman for the apostles. And they said, Peter, you guys need to quit preaching about this Jesus. Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than man. When Daniel 3, and there was that big image that Nebuchadnezzar said, bow down or get thrown into the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we will not bow down. When God told, or when the Persians passed a law with Darius that no one could pray to anybody but Darius for 30 days, or they'd be thrown into the lion's den. You know what Daniel did? Daniel did not organize a revolutionary party. Daniel did not stand in front of the king's palace and hold a sign saying, free prayer for everybody. You know what Daniel did? Read it in Daniel 6. 
Daniel went to his room, opened his window, prayed to God three times a day, just like he always did. If our government ever gets to the point where they tell us, you disobey God, you listen to us instead of God, then and only then do we exercise the fact that we're subject to a higher power. Everywhere else, we are to submit. And once again, I'm not saying that we don't speak out against oppression. Laws that are bad, we need to talk about it and have them overturned, but we need to do it in a way that is respectful. I don't care who's the president. We need to give honor to them because they're the president. They're the, they're, whoever's the mayor, whoever's the government, governor, they are God's representatives as far as the law is concerned. And we're to submit. So what have we said? Peter has said, get yourself under control. Get your flesh, get your body, get your desires under control so that as you live in an ungodly world, your witness can be what it ought to be. And the first group he talks about is the government. And next week he's going to talk about the workplace. Now specifically he's going to talk about slaves and slave owners. And that's a concept that's sort of foreign to us, but we're very familiar with employer-employee, and so we'll, we'll make that application next week. Let's our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us guidelines in how to operate as a Christ follower in this world. I pray, Father, you would help all of us be the witness that we should be and just help us all learn to walk in your spirit as we seek to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Eddie, Mary, if y'all will.